I believe in in their multidimensional impact. Less money to spend, less time because of uh, less um, traffic jams, less um, pollutions, less emissions, uh, and uh, yeah, and more happiness, more clean air. And as you mentioned, uh, you feel yourself like as a part of the surrounding nature, right? You're not sitting in a box like in a car, right? That's you can true. communicate with uh, with the nature, with people, with with dogs, or with. Uh, you can just stop and make a beautiful picture of a sunset or something yeah. when you ride a bicycle or e-bike. You, well, you, you cannot just stop when you drive a car because you need to find the park and it's complicated. Welcome to Care More, Be, care better, more, be better, a podcast for people like you who care about the social impact of conscious companies and everyday heroes. Hear inspiring stories from those who put people and planet before profit and personal gain. You'll learn how you can make a difference, vote with your dollars, and get involved today. Here's your host, Karina Belizzi. Hello and welcome. Today is a special occasion as it marks our 100th episode. Over the course of the last year and a half, I have enjoyed learning on this adventure with you more about social impact stories, about sustainability, and ultimately about regeneration. It has been my honor and my privilege to tell these stories, to connect with incredible guests, to deepen my understanding, open my mind, and hear that I'm able to help you do the same. So I want to reach out and just say thank you. Thank each and every one of you for listening to the podcast, for watching it on YouTube, and for sharing your thoughts with me as well. Ultimately, together, we are caring more so that we can be better. Each episode, I invite you on that journey as I work to open my mind and get to know a new subject matter a little bit more deeply. I have become more of an activist in this time, and I know that I've inspired some of you to do the same. When you visit caremorebebetter.com, you can sign up for our newsletter and you can receive a simple guide that I created for all of you. It's five steps to unleash your inner activist. And really, it just provides practical guidance to get you thinking about the things you care about and what you might do to champion them. I would like to also invite anyone new to the show to go back to our earlier episodes, and you could even start from the very beginning. That first episode was my interview with Kara Martinez. She's the founder and the brainchild behind Love Without Borders for Refugees in Need. She proves with her efforts that one person with one idea and some passion can make all the difference in the world for so many people. She has changed the lives of refugees in Greece, and she's ultimately working to make their lives better and inspire people around the globe through her TED Talk and so much more. Today, as we meet a new guest, we're going to touch on some of the same topics, war-torn regions, and what we can do individually and overall to help and support. Each of us has power. Each of us has the ability to make a difference and we can stand up and be counted. Our activism doesn't have to look like marching in the streets. It can look like sending emails. It can look like making phone calls. And it can certainly be as simple as something that you integrate into your daily life. So in honor of this 100th episode, I'd love to invite you to one simple act. If you could, send me an email note to hello at caremorebebetter.com. Or perhaps you could even leave me a voicemail on my website by going to caremorebebetter.com and clicking on that microphone button in the bottom right-hand corner. You could do this from your cell phone, your mobile device, or your desktop. They all work. You'll have the opportunity to review your audio file before you submit it. And when you do, if you could tell me whether or not you'd be happy for me to share it on the podcast, I'd appreciate it. It would be my dream to be able to share feedback from the community directly on this show the next time I record. As we get into today's episode, I am going to invite you to think about a couple of things. First, the individual we'll meet has roots in the Ukraine, and we all know that this part of the world is really in turmoil. So I'd like for you to keep an open mind and also listen a little intently as we do have an accent that is a little different than most you hear in America. Today, we will touch your heart, spire, 
all two wheelers out there to try something new as we get to know Daniel Tonkopi. He is the founder and CEO of Delfast eBikes. We're going to learn how this founder with roots in Ukraine is building e-bikes with a range of 230 miles on a single charge. We're going to learn how he has brought forward this great idea after being one of a second generation of ecologically minded individuals in the same very family. These bikes, they're incredible. They even enjoy the Guinness World Record bragging rights of the longest distance traveled on a single charge. His story has been featured in Forbes, TechCrunch, Bloomberg, Auto Evolution, and Electric. And as we get started with today's conversation, we're going to also reveal something else for you. He has made the choice to donate 5% of all sales. That's not of profits. 5% of all sales are donated to Stand With Ukraine. And he also takes a more involved approach to support change in that arena and to draw attention to the much needed support in the region. All right, here we are. Daniel Tonkopi, welcome to the show. Thank you, Karina. And first of all, congratulations with the 100th episode. And this means that uh, you're doing something really important. People love to hear you. People want you to bring more new guests. And I personally love what you're doing. Uh, we have same values. We are caring more for better, right? <laughs> we have a responsibility to change the world, to make it a better place. That's right. It's an invitation. That's how I look at it. I'm I'm bringing you into my brain and also those of our guests to think about how we can actually create more change. There's this whole concept that one person alone is just one person. You're thinking in your own isolated climate, but then you extend that to two and three and beyond, and you actually almost create another being in itself, where all of us together, we create something that's more than each of us individually. And so that's the power of community. That's the power of idea share, because who knows what the effect will be of someone hearing today's show, learning from you, and the ideas that will spin into their reality just as a result of hearing us share some interesting stories about the creation of an e-bike company. I absolutely believe in this. Yes, yeah. it's, it's really great. So anyone listening will hear, obviously, your accent. This isn't, you know, lip service. Your being from Ukraine, is it's a reality. And also, as I understand, a second-generation environmentalist. So I would like to invite you to just talk a little bit about your history, how this came to be, your father, and also ultimately what landed you here in the United States and Southern California? Yeah, thank you for asking. That's true. I came from Ukraine. I lived there for the previous uh, 12 years before I moved to Los Angeles. Now I'm in LA. But my home country is Kazakhstan and home city is Almaty. Uh, I grew up there. Almaty is a beautiful city. I wonder, I think not many people are out from your listeners were in Almaty, but believe me, it's a beautiful city surrounded by mountains, like really high mountains. But because of that mountains, Almaty has an ecological catastrophe. So imagine a million, two millions of cars and all the smoke is coming over the city, but there is no wind because of the mountains from three sides. So in 90s, in 80s, there were like uh, hypothetical solutions for, for, to, for removing the smoke, like huge chimneys, pipes, huge fans, which can, could blow out all the smoke. But it never worked. So I was a kid at that time, and I thought, I can do something probably in the, in the future with this dirty air, with this air pollution. And my father, he was a professor of ecology. So he wrote over 400 books about the ecological problems, like clean air, clean water, clean land, and or dirty land, and nuclear disarmament of Kazakhstan, and all the ecological issues in Kazakhstan. So I grew up with all these values, with this responsibility to make the world cleaner, and with this desire to, to make Almaty cleaner. So when I grew up, uh, when I became an, an entrepreneur, uh, I thought, okay, now maybe I have a chance uh, to change something. 
And this is how I came, came up to the idea of creation of electric vehicles. So now I'm a big fan of EVs and uh, I'm making air cleaner, not only in Almaty, but in all large cities, because we have the same problem everywhere, right? In Los Angeles, in Paris, in London, we have this air pollution because of cars and other sources. So yeah, we fight with this pollution. We fight with the emissions. And I believe in the future where we will be breathing in uh, with clean air in the cities. So this is what I'm doing here. You know, I remember a movie from the 80s where it was supposed to be futuristic and the woman was coming back in time and was counseled to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day to, to actually help with her lungs because of yes. how polluted the environment was. And I remember I, this movie. <laughs> I'm forgetting the name of it, but you, you're taken back there, I think. So, you know, really what we're talking about here is not creating the pollution in the first place and also doing things like planting more trees so that the trees can draw down some of that carbon dioxide and nitrogen and other of these greenhouse gas components that we can draw down. But there are so many that we cannot. And so ultimately, thinking about how we stop the emissions from occurring in the first place is the direction in which we should be going. Now, I would love your thoughts specifically with regard to getting into e-bikes, because I know that this didn't just magically happen. You started with Delfast being something else entirely. It wasn't even in the e-bike space. So can you talk about that path and like what you were addressing before and what it has become today? Yes, definitely. It was uh, 2013 and I was an entrepreneur. Like, uh, I moved to Ukraine in 2009 and uh, established my first startup uh, there. It was Yelp for Ukraine, like reviews about places. Then I sold it. Then I established a bunch of other startups and most of them there were unsuccessful. So like I failed 15 or 16 times. Uh, so in 2013, I came up with the idea of delivering goods from online stores with the speed of pizza delivery. I thought, why I have to wait for my smartphone for two days or three days while a pizza could be delivered within one hour? So, and hey guys, you, you don't have to cook this smartphone like pizza. You, you, you can just take it from a warehouse and bring it to me. So I created a one-hour delivery service in Kiev and called it Delfast because we deliver fast. So, yeah, it was a, like disruptive delivery service. Imagine local Amazon in Ukraine. They deliver goods. They are largest uh, in Ukraine. And uh, people were laughing at me. How are you going to fight with the online store? Ukrainian Amazon, let's say. I thought, really, how I am going to fight them? To beat the Goliath, being a David, I need to create something unique. And the electric vehicles was the solution. I thought, okay, let's use electric bicycle for the delivery. It will allow us to reduce the cost for gas, for maintenance, like the cost of transportation itself. We don't have to buy an expensive car. We can buy an electric bicycle. So, And uh, I didn't know much about electric bikes, so I bought first e-bike. It was 2000. 13, 2014, so eight years ago, me and my partner, Sergey, we bought the first Chinese electric bike and the seller promised us 50 miles range on a single charge. We thought, well, it's not really enough for one day work of a courier because courier works full day and he can ride 130 miles during the day. But we thought, okay, it would be good just for the beginning, 50 miles. So we bought it, I charged it, and I drove it uh, on a highway to Kiev, and it was beautiful summer day. But suddenly, after 15 miles, it just stopped. So I called to a seller and said, you promised me 50, not 15. He said, yes, that, that's correct. And I said, well, it, it just stopped. Something is broken. He said, no, that's fine. Yeah, it, it should be. It should usually go for 15. I said, no, you promised me 50. He said, yes, 50 if you help with pedals. I, I go, seriously, if I help with pedals, I can go for a thousand miles. So, <laughs> so that day I realized that like all, all electric bikes on the market, like 99.9% .9 of e-bikes have small range of less than 30 miles on a single charge. And we needed 
larger, much, much higher range. So me and Sergey, we reinvented e-bikes. We started to redevelop e-bikes, had a lot of experiments with frame, with battery, with motors, with computer, with brain, like with everything inside to just to solve our own problem of our own courier service, right? So step by step, we created an e-bike, which exceeded all the limits which can drove uh, 230 miles, as you already said. And later we established the Guinness World Record. So, so we created these bikes just to give them to our couriers to make deliveries. And the delivery service was successful. And step by step, we thought, so probably we can start selling these e-bikes, not just providing courier services, but to sell a product. And in 2017, we launched Kickstarter campaign, and it was a successful campaign. We gathered $165,000. So we realized that, okay, some people also like these bikes. Not only us in Kiev, but people in America, in Great Britain, in Australia, everywhere. They like our product. And from that moment, we had two business units, like delivery service and bike production unit. And in 2020, we sold our courier part of the business. So now we are not couriers anymore. We are a bike production company. But it's the same company with the same name, Delfast, because we grew up from there, from the delivery service. So now we are growing uh, like three times a year. We sell bikes all over the world, but our main market is America. And that's why one year ago, me and my team, part of our team, we moved to Los Angeles because I believe this is like a probably a capital of electric vehicles uh, of the world. It's uh, well, there everywhere. <laughs> Anyone who has spent time in a big city like New York or San Francisco or Chicago knows that bike delivery is a thing. I mean, it is how you yes. get your takeout meals because bicycles can get to you much more quickly because they can circumnavigate traffic and get directly to your door. And of course, having an electric version makes it much easier for the delivery person because they're not arriving drenched in sweat and hot summer months. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I can see the obvious benefit here, but your bikes are different than mm -hmm. other e-bikes that I've seen out there. They look like they're bridging a gap between something that is much more, it looks technologically almost like you're borrowing from downhill mountain bikes that are very high tech and also motorcycles or dirt bikes. So right. how is it that you exactly conceived this and brought it together as a package that's different than what we typically expect from an electric bike today? Uh, well, we were solving our problem and we needed bike with huge range and high speed. Actually, Forbes said that we are uh, we produce the fastest e-bike on the market. Yeah, with 50 the miles an hour. Yes. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's like a scooter, you know? It's it's yeah. more than an e-bike in some ways. That's that's what I'm getting at. I'm and that's a terrifying speed for most people. True, true. <laughs> so, we were solving the pro people's problems, like courier's problem. Of course, if I would buy a bicycle for my own use, like for fun, for leisure, for traveling over the parks, I, I wouldn't buy a bike with uh, 200 miles range and 50 miles per hour speed. I don't need it like for me. But couriers, all heavy riders, like heavy duty riders, like police officers, let's say, they need speed, they need range. They, they are on duty for an entire day. And if they're chasing a crime, they need some some juice uh, on this bike. But essentially what you're saying is this can replace a motorcycle even. It could, yes. I mean, if you're just riding around town, if you're doing errands around town, you sell kits that are the saddlebags for your bike or the, you know, the unit so you could put your groceries in it and do all of these things. And I imagine, you know, going around town 30, 35 miles an hour is probably comfortable for most people on a bicycle. And it's a lot quicker then they would get there if they were walking. It's much mm -hmm. more efficient because they're not expelling a bunch of fumes. And at the same time, it's fun. So, yes. I mean, I think you're solving a few problems because honestly, we need a little bit more fun in our lives too. And right. there is a thrill of cycling bicycling, motorcycling, you smell the fresh air, you mm -hmm. are aware of your environment in a different way. I mean, the videos that you show online, you're you're actually showing people wearing 
helmets that are more like those that you would wear on a motorcycle. And I can see why, because again, the speed. <laughs> yeah, of course. But I agree with you. Not everyone needs such huge range and uh, some people are scary about high speed. So we we are constantly developing new models and we hear what people are saying to us. Like when we came to California, many people told us the same like you. They said, I don't need 50 miles per hour speed. So we thought, okay, we can reduce the power of the motor. Many people said, we don't need 200 miles range, like 70 miles would be more than enough. Okay, so we we think that we can reduce the battery like two or three times less and it will decrease the price and weight of, of a bike. And some girls, women said that uh, this bike is more like muscular, it's like brutal. It's not really <laughs> uh, for women probably. So we thought, yeah, that's true. So we developed... Another version of a bike with a new frame, uh, it will be more useful, lighter, with more fun, with less battery and less uh, speed, based on more than 50,000 reviews from potential customers. So we are constantly analyzing what people want from, from a product, from e-bike. So we are improving it and we, we're trying to make the best solution for mm. our riders. I have to say, I'm of the mine, I went to your site and I started building out the bike I would buy myself if I mm-hmm. was going to go ahead and do this. That's and true. I mean, I'm like, okay, the saddlebags, yes, and do this and do that. And okay, yes, I want the fenders. And maybe I would want the off-road tires too. And started just <laughs> kind of going and going because, you know, I'm also somebody who in my late teens and early 20s, I was a competition mountain biker. So oh, wow. I really enjoy getting out there and going fast. And I mean, I would brutally punish myself up those hills so that I could enjoy the speed of the downhill, right? Yes. Now, I go out on trails here in the local area, and I see e-bikes all over the trails having a ball. And, you know, your only hint that they're coming because they come out of nowhere so fast is that slight whine, that electric whine. I'm mm-hmm, like, oh, mm-hmm. or my dog will <laughs> notice it and alert. And then I'm like, okay, we're, you know, they're coming. And and then I just yes. see them whip right through. There's a part of me that feels like they're cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I actually, I, I love e-bikes because I can pedal or I cannot pedal. Uh, I don't have to, I have full power for almost full power as a, of a motorcycle, but with the, all the features of a bicycle. I don't have to pay for gas. I don't have to change oil and to make expensive maintenance. So for me, it's kind of perfect uh, individual transportation, an e-bike. Well, and nobody walks in LA, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's too far. (laughs) That's right. So um, I'm looking at this. I do see that you have an option for a motorcycle seat as as a, for example, which looks a little bit more, you know, it's longer, kind mm-hmm. of reminded me in a way of some of the motard bikes that people build when you kind of put that all together. I wondered, is this feasible for two people to ride on? Can the bike manage it? You know, what are your thoughts? Well, we calculated the frame, all, all the loads and everything. And actually... The short answer is no, it's not feasible for two people because uh, we are a bicycle, not a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you how we came up with this uh, motorcycle type of seat. A couple of years ago, we spoke with uh, LAPD and gave them our bicycle for, for test ride, just common bicycle seat and, uh, and everything. And they tested it for a month and said, mm, okay, it, it's perfect, we we." We want to buy after all the this, uh, processes, but uh, we need to make some improvements uh, on this bike. You have to put red, red and blue lights, siren, and, uh, and etc. And we need rear racks, like to put our laptops and uh, police stuff. So we thought, how we can attach rear racks? We cannot put it on this bicycle seat. So we experimented with. Uh, with trunks, with racks. And finally, we came with the bicycle type of seat. There, we can attach rear racks, like panniers. And they said, okay, yeah, this is what we need. Uh, but after that, they refused to buy that time. But anyway, we put this bicycle type of seat on our website, and it increased our sales volume on about 30%. <laughs> so people also want this. They uh, like the comfort. 
Yes. And, and they say, when I go to your grocery store, I, I need some place to put bags, right? So they, they like, and yeah. or tra- for traveling. Yeah. So and the primary like- difference, I think, for our listeners is, you know, when you have the motorcycle seat, it, it's not as comfortable to pedal. And so right. if you intend to also pedal, then you might not want the motorcycle seat. But since the range for this vehicle is 230 miles, you wouldn't need to. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And frankly, our couriers, like many years ago, uh, when they came to to work, we had a lot of, you know, sportsmen, people who, li- who love um, riding, bicycle professionals. So they, they told me, oh, Daniel, uh, I will pedal it. I don't need electric power. Like, I will pedal it. Maybe I will use pedal assist, but not a throttle. But you know what? After two or three days of work, they all just use throttle. Yeah, they get nobody, used to it. Nobody's pedaling. Well, yes. and it's, you know, I, for people who haven't ridden an electric bike, the torque, it's instant on power. So how have you managed that so people don't literally just fly off the cycle, given that, you know, it's instant on power and, and you've got quite yes. a bit of power. That power band is is pretty intense. Absolutely, yeah, and you you can see it in electric cars, like in Tesla. You have an incredible speed and acceleration, right? So we uh, we can also have such huge acceleration. So we we slow down it artificially, like, and we have our own proprietary electronics, our own main board, so we can control everything. And this is not only about this accelerating, but it it's all about their maintenance, like all the telemetry. We can see the temperature of a motor, of a battery. We can see how are they used. We, we can see GPS positioning and send some notifications to owner's uh, smartphone. So we, we track all the parameters of, of the bike to provide the best experience to a rider. That's really cool. So... I'm just thinking about the environmental impact of what you're doing, too, because if you do replace the around town errand running and even some longer trips, you're you're replacing emissions that could have been quite dramatic and also making something a little bit more affordable than that Tesla that you just mentioned. Yes, of course. So what do you hope that Delfast e-bikes will replace? Well, I believe that people will use electric bicycles, Belfast in particular, but not only, for most of their um, short and mid-range trips. Like, you don't have to take a big car if you go to a grocery store or to a drugstore. Like, you using an e-bike, you won't stuck in traffic, you don't have to look for, for parking when you go to to downtown or anywhere. So you won't pay money for gas, which is expensive now. Mm-hmm. Electric bicycles compared to common motorcycles, they have much less spare parts. Mm-hmm. Like there are 1,000 spare parts in a motorcycle and there is 50 spare parts in an electric bicycle. So less spare parts means less things that can um, be broken. So less things to maintain. Uh, which means, which again means uh, less money to spend and less time to spend. So I believe in in the multidimensional impact. Mm-hmm. So less money uh, to spend, less time because of less traffic jams, less pollutions, less emissions. Yeah, and more happiness. Yeah, and more clean air. And as you mentioned, uh, you feel yourself like as a part of the surrounding nature. Right? You're not sitting in a box like in a car, right? That's you true. can communicate with uh, with the nature, with people, with with dogs or with uh, yeah. You can just stop and make beautiful picture of a sunset yeah. something when you ride a bicycle or e-bike. Well, you, you cannot just stop when you drive a car because you need to find the park and it's complicated. Yeah, I think this would come to a concept that I discussed with Nina Simons in a recent episode. And that is specifically, as we talked about, cascading benefits. Because Mm -hmm. if you really kind of get to the root of something and you've thought through how it can impact every area of, let's say, your life, you can can identify the cascading benefits. But still, you know, it does require materials to build something like an electric bike. And right now, some of those minerals and such are, you know, they're becoming more those rare earth minerals that are needed to create the batteries that power the bike are a little harder to come by 
we have mm-hmm. some plans on the docket that are up for approval to begin mining for rare earth minerals, even on the seabed floor. So I'm curious to know how you presently approach the procurement of all of the components that you need and what your view is on how we're heading forward to ensure that we can continue to build great electric vehicles without unduly affecting our planetary health. Yes, this is big question and absolutely important. And we we cannot solve it at once. So we trying to solve it step by step. Like a first huge step, we can we can start using electric vehicles in general. I, mm-hmm. I mean, not only our bikes, but generally electric bikes, electric cars. Uh, this will mean that we will reduce emissions, gas emissions in our breeze area. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that the production of lithium-ion batteries is clean. No, it's definitely not. But at least they are. this production is located out of cities. So as the first step, we take out the pollution from cities, from our breeze area, from, mm-hmm. from the place where we live, to the deserts, to the, to the industrial area, like hundreds of miles out of large cities. So this is one step. Another step is uh, recycling and reusing. Our bike's frame is a steel frame. It's uh, e- easily reusable and recyclable. The most the most pollutive part uh, definitely is the battery. Mm-hmm. It's lithium-ion battery. It's in all vehicles, in, in our bikes, in electric cars. It takes one-third of a cost, up to 40% of the cost of the bike, and one-third of a weight, and yeah, and it has some chemistry, like lithium-ion. So what we do? Our battery can live for 3,000 life cycles, which means if you charge the bike every day, nobody charges every day, but if you charge it every day, it will live for almost 10 years. Hmm. Anyway, some customers are asking us, do you have a policy of replacing battery, of recycling this battery? And now, yes, we do. So we will take the battery back and reuse them. What means the materials can be reused because my impression was that some of the degrading of mm-hmm. that battery with time would mean that it becomes waste and then that waste has to be managed. Absolutely. The, the, the degrading is about 70 percent, uh, uh, sorry, 30 percent of degrading, which means that battery will have 70 percent of its capacity. Hmm. It will not in, it will not be enough for, for powering a vehicle, but the battery uh, still can save some power in it so we will reuse it and uh, we will reassemble them into big power walls like mm. big big power banks you don't need to to have high high vo- high voltage in a power bank mm. like so you, you for instance if bank. i'm in my home and i want to be off the grid because i'm frustrated with how pacific gas and electric is managing things yes. then i can have that power wall and mm-hmm. store my solar energy Yes, yes. And this battery can can live for another 10 or 20 years as a power wall. Well, that's really good to know. And I appreciate you sharing that because I don't think everyone is quite aware. It was one of the reasons that I'm a little skeptical about the ability of electric cars to be the solution in replacing vehicles that are gas powered, because I think sometimes we just don't know what the unintended consequences are going to be further down the road. And I do have some concerns over mineral mining happening in the beds of our oceans, but ultimately we need transportation solutions and we can't just, you know, whisper them away into the ether. I do like the fact that you're able to reuse these batteries. I think that's great. And having a part in a recycling program of some sort to do so, I think is just fantastic. So thank you for helping me understand that. Of course, we are socially responsible from from the beginning, from the day one. Like we created bicycle delivery service and e-bike delivery service. So all, literally all of our team members are having, they have uh, the same values of uh, clean energy, of uh, zero emissions, of uh, electric vehicles, of uh, they are bicycle riders, they're bike lovers, they are are all about sport and 
healthy style of life. So we are all about these values. Mm-hmm. This is in our DNA. And I can't imagine our company making something non-ethical or non-ecological. I remember one story where I hired a social media manager. This lady said, oh, she was a professional, really high professional in SMM and marketing. Uh, but she, sa- she said to me, Daniel, I... I afraid I'm afraid of bicycles. I yeah, I fell down in my childhood so I don't really ride bicycle, but I, I can write articles and do posts and everything. And I said to her, how are you going to write articles of something what you are afraid of? <laughs> you you won't be able to share your love, your passion about it. So even she was a good great professional, so we couldn't start working together because of this reason. Well, it's the authenticity that you need. Somebody who can be as passionate about it as you are and live it and breathe it, and then it will be something they enjoy more. So I get that too. Now, I think you've mentioned a few times here the weight of the bicycle. I'd like to know a little bit more about how much the bicycle weighs. And then if you can also talk about theft prevention, because in many cities, of course, like if you want to park your bike and then go in and do shopping, you need to be able to come back out to your bike. And let's just say there are, are bike theft problems all over the country. So if you can help us understand that, I think that would be lovely. Yes, definitely. The, this is a problem that we met from the day one. Like it's the same problem everywhere in America, in Europe, in Ukraine, anywhere. So, and our technique is pretty expensive. So we have to care about it. It's not just $100. I wouldn't be glad if uh, uh, my bike of $100 will be stolen, but uh, this is like several thousand dollars uh, Mm -hmm. technique. So uh, what do we have now? We have all the tracking of the bike, GPS tracking, SIM card with uh, constant monitoring. And there is a mobile app with the onboard computer, which which const- which is constantly tracking the bike and its uh, state. We had a couple of cases when bikes w- were stolen. One case was in Kiev and another case was in London. So just a, a police officer call- called to our phone line and asked if such bike was really bought by this person and here is a frame number, here is all the details. We said yes. That's true. He said, okay, thank you. That's uh, all I need. We, we found this bike, so everything is fine. So he just needed the confirmation. So someone has stolen this bike from a guy in London, and he found it in a matter of, I don't know, hours or days. Mm. So lucky. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, because of the, all this telemetry, and we have all of our proprietary technologies in this bike. So we constantly track this bike. Mm-hmm. And if something is happening, not not only theft problem, but uh, let's say it's overheated or it's fell down, for example, it, ju- it just fell, then the owner will receive push notification on his smartphone, and our engineers will see it in in our backend that uh, something is wrong with this bike. It's overheated. It's fell down, or it's moving somewhere. So we. We do care about Yeah. Well, yeah. you hear about controversies with something like an electric fire on some of these, you know, vehicles where I think even we had a Chevy Bolt and which had a range of 243 miles. And that was part of our decision to get the Chevy Bolt. But there were some of them that were, you know, going up in flames. And apparently the batteries, they, they will catch fire quite quickly, if that's the case. Same thing with the Teslas. So how do you address that um, in this particular vehicle? Actually, I should confess that we had such problem, like mm. maybe five or six years ago, when we had our delivery service. One day, uh, we came up to our office, to courier station, and we saw that everything is just burnt out. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was like, wow. And we realized why this Tesla burned out, why Samsung, they had issues with 
Galaxy 7. Yeah, I think it was I, one I of the Galaxy Note or the Galaxy yeah. 7. Yeah, I have yeah. I have Samsung still. I still have the Galaxy. Yeah, <laughs> the same with me. Not the yeah. same model. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we realized, okay, now we know why why they have these problems. So we started to invest into the safety and security. We we implemented seven different methods of preventing the fire and overheating and overcharging. Like starting from physical prevention, then thermal sensor, thermal sensor, and then uh, push this push notifications and everything. So we we six or seven different types of control for heat and voltage. So after that, we never had such problem. We we solved it. And yeah, I know I know this is a big deal, but luckily not a single customer met with such issue with our bikes. I just was trying to think of all the questions I would have if I was considering an e-bike that might have prevented me from from going forward with one. And and so far, you've just (laughs) checked all those boxes. Like, okay, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we did that. We we have got a lot of experience. We've ridden (laughs) 10 10 million miles on our bikes. And if I, like a person, if I would ride a bicycle and e-bike, I would ride, I don't know, a thousand of uh, miles, right? But uh, we as a, as a company, we made 10 million miles. So if problem could have appeared, it appeared. And, yeah. we, and you'll we, notice we, it. Yes, of yeah. course. How much do you say they weigh? I know you have hundred models. 150? 140, 100, yeah, 140, 150 pounds. So 75 kilograms. It's pretty pretty heavy, but not as heavy as a motorcycle. No, so I mean, the motorcycles start around 300, right? So yes, exactly. I had a Bandit 400, just a small little motorcycle, and, and I think it weighed about 400 pounds. So, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. when I did drop it, which did happen, it was hard to pick up, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> get that so our bikes are not such heavy. Yeah. I mean, I compare this to my mountain bike, which I think weighs 24 pounds, and that's a lot different. But of course, there's a different goal behind all of it, too. And I'm not riding that bicycle, my mountain bike, up and down my hill. I live on a very, very steep hill. And it is one of those that even the most trained cyclists often end up walking up. It's just how steep it is. And so I have a few neighbors that have gone out and got e-bikes because they wanted to be able to go and do errands on bicycle as opposed to bringing their car all the time. So, you know, really could have served that need with a Delfast bike, but I don't think they were aware of your brand at the time. So I'm curious, I'm going to go actually to Santa Clara. I see that you have a dealer in Santa Clara near my alma mater of Santa Clara University. So I want to go check these bikes out in person. Please do. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And I meet more and more people who are switching from bicycles to electric bicycles. Like even they can pedal, they can go up and down, but people, many people are lazy. They, they don't <laughs> well, want to. Well, it's not just to, that. But... I mean, think about it. Like I used to commute to work on my bike when I lived in San Jose. I was close enough to the office where I worked to ride my bike to to work and back a few days a week. But it was unavoidable in the summer months, especially you get quite sweaty. And, you know, you arrive there, you want to be presentable. It's not necessarily the easiest thing to then transition right into your work day. And so I think there are a lot of people who would choose to, to cycle if they could, but they don't want to, you know, be smelly yeah, and, yes, as they yes. arrive at work. So yeah, I and- I, I have problems reason. with yeah. Another another reason is uh, I have uh, some health problems. I have uh, sur- I had surgery on my knees, so I cannot pedal like too long. I- I'd love to pedal, but not much. Uh, I I want to to pedal. I want to have this opportunity to pedal, but uh, I I don't want to pedal as a necessity as an uh, obligation. No, mm-hmm. so I can ride. I I want to to travel like ten miles, for example. So I will feel this uh, wind into my face, nice weather. And if I want, I can pedal. But if not, I have a throttle bar. (laughs) (laughs) The throttle bar. Now, as far as how much time it takes to learn to ride one of your e-bikes, because it's not just like hopping on a regular bicycle. I had this experience when I first tested one out. 
I was like, oh, okay, so I need to learn the throttle. And and I felt better about wearing a, you know, let's just say more of a motorcycle helmet when I first Mm -hmm. got on because they can go at a higher speed. So do you have basic recommendations or training even for somebody who's just starting out on an e-bike the first time? Safety first. So the main, my main recommendation is safety, like always wear a helmet. And if you have elbows and knees, that would be also great. Like I just mentioned my surgery on my knees, how how it appeared. On the second week of work of our company, of Delfast company, it was November 2014, it started snowing in Kiev. And we had summer tires. So I didn't change tires because it just, snow just, appeared suddenly and i fell down from from a bicycle i i was riding to from my home to work i fell down one then i fell down second time <laughs> after half an hour and then during that day i fell down another two times and i wasn't wearing any equipment i was careless ah i don't care that's okay that's fine so uh, when I came home in the evening, I realized that my knee, I have, I had huge pain in my knee. Mm. So I came to a doctor and he said, okay, we ha- uh, you have to go to surgery. And I, make, I made an operation after a few days and it cost some money, <laughs> of course, uh, and, and health. And on the next day, I said to all of our couriers, hey, guys. Here, here are helmets, motorcycle helmets. Here are elbows, knees, jackets, uh, shoes, gloves, everything. So we equipped our couriers with all the um, equipment. And I said, if you are riding at home, like for for your own, uh, it's uh, up to you. But when you are riding at work, you have to wear everything. Safety first. Mm-hmm. So uh, please, this is my recommendation to all the listeners. Please care about it. Please yeah. wear helmets. Well, especially when you're just starting out. It is a 150-pound bicycle. And so yes. if it falls with you, it's going to be more mass, right? So <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's a reality. I mean, when you learn to rollerblade even, rollerblade, roller skate, what are the things that they often give you? It's the wrist guard, the elbow, because one of the most common injuries especially for rollerblading or roller skating is the elbow. You fall back on your elbow and, you know, that can be a really debilitating bruise, like hard to raise your arm. You can get bursitis and other things that relate and which is just inflammation in the arm, but it takes a while to recover. So I like to be active. I love to cycle. And I I know that I would probably become a fast addict of an e-bike just because it's less work and it's a lot of fun. So that's fantastic. So you have an opportunity to ride our bike. I'm going to get to Santa Clara. I'm going to try it out and I can always report back. I think that will be really fun. Maybe you can come back on and I can give you a a review. Let's do it. I'd love to. Thank you. (laughs) I love that. Now, if there was a question that I haven't asked that you wish I had, what might it be? You could ask and answer it. (laughs) And if if you don't have something, just the thought you'd like to leave Um, our audience with. Yes. So if you would ask me about our plans, Mm. So, yeah, what we are going What's to next? do. What's next? Are you going to be, have a motorcycle? <laughs> Thanks. Actually, motorcycle was uh, in our plans, and we acquired an uh, ex-Soviet trademark of Dnieper motorcycles. It's a three-wheeled motorcycle with a car at, at, the, at the right side. So we have a trademark. We have all the intellectual property rights for, for this Soviet motorcycle. So probably we will develop it within the next three, four years and launch it. On, on the market but with if a sidecar probably yes yeah. yes if people like it yeah why not that's great yeah but uh if speaking about more closer plans like uh, this year next year my one of my largest goal my personal goal uh, as ceo and founder of this company is to move the production to america hmm. now we produce our bikes uh, in china most of the parts are assemb- assembled in china battery like frames we produce in Ukraine, but uh, there's like 80% of spare parts are produced in Asia. So we want to move the production to the US. Uh, we want to make, uh, we already started to make electronics here. The uh, next step is uh, producing metal parts, frames, plastic parts, and, fine, uh, and the assembly of the bike. 
So I want to establish the manufacturing here. I We didn't decide which state yet, but this is uh, in our list. Like uh, this is our next task to find out uh, which state. And I speak with authorities of different states, Texas, Nevada, New Jersey, California, of course. So we are on the way of uh, figuring it out. So we want to move production here to be closer to our customers, to produce these e-bikes so they will be assembled and made in the U.S. And we raise um, investment round for this purpose. We're raising $20 million Series A round. So this is our second big goal, like to raise investment. And uh, uh, third goal is uh, to launch our new model, uh, which I mentioned before, it will be smaller, lighter version, more affordable, more. It will it will have it will give more fun. It will give more enjoy of riding. Not such heavy, not such uh, brutal, but uh, it will be good for more people, for men, women, and we are hoping to launch it in September. So please stay tuned. Well, that's <laughs> right around the corner, and yes. In time for my birthday. <laughs> Great. Okay. I, I know what you mean. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm just, I'm half joking, but no, I would never say no to a gift like that. So if you're looking for a beta tester, even if it's on loan, I would love to beta test a new bike. That would be Great. a lot of Thank fun. You. So Daniel, I would really just love to know what it is that you're doing specifically in the Ukraine to support people there, to stand with Ukraine as these 5% of your revenues are going directly to support people there. Yeah, thank you for asking and thank you for support to Ukraine and for being with us, for staying with us. Yeah, we do a lot. We work as like in two shifts now. One shift is in Delfast or in other companies and second shift is to fight against the Russian invasion. So what we do, 5% is what we donate to the people of Ukraine of all of our revenues. We give uh, bikes for free and Ukrainian army equips our bikes with the rocket launchers. They put it on the back and work against Russian tanks and uh, other techniques. These are the realities that we don't necessarily yeah. want to think about, but it's, yes. it's what's happening there. And, and yeah. so you're essentially actively becoming a part of the resistance. Absolutely, yes. We help uh, to medical volunteers. We buy some medicine and equi- me- uh, medical equipment. We buy binoculars. We buy our like internet connection and and everything to them but this is not only what we do we do we are in the resistance and for example right now there is a flash mob in internet started from ukrainian it companies we change their you know on the websites on online services there is a a language bar like you can choose english or russian or ukrainian or anywhere Uh, and instead of just russian uh, we put Russia is a terrorist state. We encourage uh, Biden and Congress and Blinken uh, to announce Russia as a state of sponsor of terrorism because Russia is killing innocent people. They are killing hostages. They they bomb, they constantly bombing uh, cities. So and they don't obey any laws and traditions. Yeah, of you're war. talking about cities, hospitals, and schools yes, have all been yes, targeted. Yes, yes. absolutely. So mm-hmm. we encourage uh, Blinken and Biden to announce it as a, a terrorist state. Yeah. Apart from that, we go to rallies. Uh, I live in LA, and uh, there are a lot of rallies, and uh, we stay there. Like uh, we show people just uh, just Americans. So what what's going on? At, at one moment, I thought. Uh, well, that's probably not enough. We have to go more, not just uh, staying on one cross road, but wider to, to show it to like to larger audience. So I organized a group of volunteers, and uh, we started to publish in Congress people's uh, Twitters what's going on. We send pictures uh, from the ground, from Ukraine. We we, uh, we give the information. We share the actual statistics. So we share the information and we, in order to give them objective uh, yeah, uh, status. And we had, uh, and we have some successes. 
in the very beginning of the war, Biden didn't want to support Ukraine because he was afraid of a nuclear war or he didn't want to escalate. But we needed help. We needed uh, high Mars. We needed the military equipment. So we started to speak with senators and with Congress people. I called to Ukrainian entrepreneurs, uh, famous bloggers, and we made a group of Ukrainian leaders against the war. And that's how we called Yula. Yula, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and we spoke to senators, and finally, Congress approved this land lease for forty billion dollars help. This is this was uh, we helped to make it happen. Uh, so what you're speaking to is sometimes activism has to be a little noisy and also creative. You have to yes. band together, and guess what? Congress listens to entrepreneurs because you're creating money and you're paying taxes and you sometimes have to leverage that and be a little noisy and be that squeaky wheel from that little moniker on your site to call Russia a terrorist Russia a terrorist state to the brass tacks of getting a group together and approaching and lobbying Congress. So hats off to you for doing that. Thank you. And this is not only about Ukraine. It's about the world. Mm -hmm. If uh, Ukraine will lose in this war, this will give a, a signal to the entire world that, that the democracy probably will lose uh, when staying in front of uh, Putinism, like well, fascism. It sets, it sets precedent, right? It sets precedent for what we allow. And ultimately, the annihilation and elimination of an entire culture and peoples is not something we can stand idly by and just deal with. So thank you for that. And for giving 5% of all sales from Delfast to this effort, in addition to the other efforts, which are not necessarily monetary, but which are just as important and vital. That's incredible. And I, for one, appreciate it. It's helpful for me to be able to tell a piece of this story because it's very sensitive and I should probably have prefaced today's episode with a bit of a trigger warning about that because the reality is when we talk about war, people get really uncomfortable. But the re hey, we got to talk about the uncomfortable things too. Yes, we are dying. People are dying. People are living country. This is uh, our reality. And we are fighting with this invasion. This is not what we wanted to have. This is uh, what uh, like crazy Russian army invaded to Ukraine. So we protect our houses and we are proud to do this. Yes. We, we will fight uh, for our houses and for our democracy. Well, the spirit of the Ukrainian people has been on full display for all of us. Thank from you very much. Your president and and really from everyone. So it's been, it's been an incredible journey. Thank and you. thank you for your efforts with Delfast. That's incredible. Yes. Thank you. And thank you to you for your support. And thank you to all Americans for, for staying with Ukraine. And thank you to Congress and thanks to Biden too. <laughs> well, we do appreciate the United States for all the help and for all the support. So as we close today's show, I want to invite everyone to investigate further. I'm going to include all sorts of links with our show notes, including some of the videos that you have online so people can just quickly snapshot them and get a feel for what these bikes are actually like. It is such a blend of available technologies. I think they look really cool. I mean, I'm impressed and it can take a lot to impress me in the in the space of, you know, electric bikes. What I will say too is your website, just for everyone to find it, is us.delfastbikes.com, correct? Or you, you can just uh, delfastbikes.com without okay. the US. It will it will uh, automatically re redirect you to the US version of site. So delfastbikes.com, yes. Please That's fantastic. And, and you can find a dealer local to you. I understand you have more than 100. So shouldn't yes. be that difficult, correct? Yes. And if, if you don't have a dealer, just just call us or write in, in our chat on the website. We'll reply immediately and we'll find the solution how to bring the bike to you. That's fantastic. Yes. All right, Daniel. Thank you. thank you so much for joining me today. This has been my pleasure. Thank you. It was a pleasure for me. Thank you for having me here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. If you have questions for me or for Daniel, I hope you'll send me a note or leave me a voicemail. 
All you have to do is click that microphone icon in the bottom right-hand corner, and you can leave me a voicemail message. Just go to caremorebebetter.com and contact me directly. You can do so from your mobile device, as I said, as well. Thank you now and always for being a part of this pod and this community. And thank you for helping us reach our 100th episode. I feel like I need a little bit of celebration with all of you, but this has been really fun to host a conversation about a technology that can help you get outdoors, enjoy some sunshine, take care of errands, and pollute less. These are all the sorts of solutions that we need if we're going to correct the global climate crisis and ultimately build a world that our children and our grandchildren and our grandchildren's grandchildren can live in and thrive. Thank you now and always for being a part of this pod and this community, because together we really can do so much more. We can care more and we can be better. We can even regenerate earth. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for social good. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And share with your friends to help us reach more people and spread more social good.